Breaking news. Welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. With me, as always, your host, Jeremy. And with me, as always, is... Uh, over on the weather desk, it's Michael, Jeremy. It's snowy outside. Well, it is snow- probably. It is, oh, it's definitely snowing outside. <sighs> it hasn't quite hit here, but yes, uh, I hear we're going to get a big blizz. We are going to get some blizz. But Michael, more importantly, I have uh, I've had uh, independent sources confirmed for me, Michael. That it uh-huh. was, in fact, cousin of the show that was with me that night at the Deadwood. Oh, right. Following up yeah, on yeah. last week's episode yeah, yeah, of the yeah, yeah. post-tornado <laughs> shenanigans, yes. I believe is the good word for it. But, okay. But yeah, I had that in by, uh, by uh, grubs of the show. So Okay. So it wasn't just a uh, fever dream you were having. It, it was it not happened. a hallucination of any sort. Well, I mean, that <laughs> part wasn't a hallucination, but... Uh, Michael, how are you doing? You sound like you've got a little bit of a bass in your voice. Yeah, kind of relating to the FDR, yeah. I have a cold, and um, it's affecting my vocal cords. <laughs> to get really detailed about it. Thank you, Michael. Now, you're, sa- now you're saying you have an upper respiratory infection, <laughs> and it's infecting your ability to speak properly. That's right. Various cytokines and interleukins are causing inflammation in my larynx region, restricting the air flow, making me sound slightly different. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, well, now that we've got the uh, biochem, microbiology, biochem, I don't know. What now that we've got that crap out of the way? How about you hit me with the beer break? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so this is another kind of surprise beer from Dad of the Show's fridge. Uh, <laughs> I was over there one day and. Suddenly he, oh, do you want a beer? I'm like, oh, sure. And then all of a sudden he grabs a bomber of barrel-aged dragon's milk. Ah, yes. Yes. And so I think this was just like the straight-up barrel-aged. I know there's like there's 10 variants of, or something yeah. at least. There's, It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I have not had dragon's milk in quite some time. In fact, I think last time I had it, I was with you. That's right. In the map room. I was just going to say that. In Chicago, yes. That's right. So I liked this. The thing I like about Dragon's Milk is how like luxuriously smooth it is. It is pretty and luxurious. With the barrel aged, it kind of counteracted that a little bit. So I think I'm more of a fan of the just straight up Dragon's Milk. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe there's a variant out there that I'd like more than that, but this was still really good, like approaching that kind of KBS almost rank of barrel-agedness, just in how flavorful it is and how just well done it is. Mm-hmm. So that was a good one. It is. I so The labels on that all look so similar that I'm not sure if I've had a barrel-aged variant of it. I feel like I have, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. They need to it's have good, like though. the dragon like eating a barrel or a strawberry or a vanilla bean, so you know. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, you'd be able to tell if it was a port barrel or a whiskey barrel <laughs> just by looking at it, too, because it would say port or whiskey on it. Yes, yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Well, my uh, beer brag comes from my beer boast from... Whenever that was. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Which one was it? I went with the Uinta. I still don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. Uinta Brett Triple. Okay. Oh, this was kind of the odd one. So how the, was that? Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, so it's hard for me to describe this, so I'm just going to go straight to the flavor text. Okay. Fair enough. Featuring aromas and flavors of dry-fruited spices, which doesn't make much sense, 
Hints of clove and an earthy funk, this Belgian triple is brewed with pink peppercorns and fermented with traditional Belgian yeasts and Brettanomyces. Um, I have not had the Brett yeast in much besides sours. What about you, Michael? I think sours predominate. I think I had it once in a beer at Avery. And okay. I didn't like it. But, yeah, um, that how sounds was, about right. How was this one in a non-sour? So I'm not sure. Um, yeah. The rating is a big old question mark for me. Mm-hmm. The it's it's weird because it does have all of the aspects that you would expect of a triple, and those aspects are done incredibly well. The uh, the malt is there. It's kind of like a golden triple. I mean, well, a triple, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Belgian aspects of the yeast are pretty great, but that that funk is weird. It's really indescribable. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to describe in something that isn't a sour because sours are already kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a, an earthy funk is a way of putting it. I don't know about the pink peppercorns. That didn't really come through. I think that's just something to put on a label, to okay. be honest with you. But eh, it's I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I liked it. We'll put it that way. Okay, yeah, something different kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that... that falls in line with my kind of experience with Brett beers outside of sours too. Yeah, it, it's it's I would definitely be willing to try other things. I don't know what would be the best usage of Brett in a beer. Uh, yeah. I mean it, it's got to be a sour because they're kind of funky and weird to begin with and, and they kind of cut the they cut through that kind of weird Brett taste. Uh, they're complementary, I guess is. That's a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying and, to think I'm, of like an alternative to like yeah. a sour in a kind of more traditional style beer, but it's hard to think of something. Maybe like a Brett Lager? I don't know, man. Goza? That's almost just that's sour the, already. Yeah, it's almost yeah. sour. Beca- uh, because you can't do it with anything that has aromatics in it, like an IPA, because that'll just kill it right away. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone, write in. <laughs> At APM Pod on Twitter, tell us what we should put uh, Brett into. Yeah, or what's a good Brett beer that you've had that isn't a sour? Yeah, it's 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 tricky, man. I've been sitting here trying to figure it out for, you know, three minutes, now, <laughs> and I haven't been able to figure it out. Well, Jeremy, I have some brews news for you. Done. Bring it on. It's going to make me angry, isn't it? Um, No, this one's more... Well, it might. We'll see. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a poo-poo platter of brews news. All right. Um, I I don't know. I found this on Twitter and it was it's in the Sacramento Bee, but I think this might be some sort of multi-outlet thing. Um but anyway, this is from the Sacramento Bee um by Daniel Barnes and it is four pressing questions the craft beer industry needs to address in 2018. Okay. So this is like, ooh, what does 2018 hold for craft beer? And it's pressing no less. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know about that, but so the first question is can local breweries sustain additional locations? And they give more examples in their neck of the woods about small craft breweries that are adding additional locations. You know, it, in our area, I think we've seen that a little bit, like uh, Back Pocket, Pocket yep. is expanding. and Toppling Goliath just is opening their new tap room uh, this week, I believe. Yeah. I, th- so... I think it's also in their new brewery, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if huh. some of those things are sustainable. Uh, Big Grove opened a second place. Oh, really? Well, I mean, 
the oh, one that in Iowa one. City yes. is the second place. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, that's and true. that one is uh, rarely is it empty. So craft beer industry, you better answer that question. In yeah, craft beer. <laughs> I'm pressing you. Um, that's right. Next question: Can corporate craft take over the country? No. <laughs> well, they're saying they're, some of the corporate craft brands are now entering phase two, which is similar to the first question. Now constructing these outdoor brew pubs are, you know, in warmer locations are just brew pubs in, for example, Ballast Point is opening something up in Chicago. Like Lagunitas. Downtown Disney. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, are these going to be new beer meccas or are they going to be a smash hit and then spread brand awareness and kind of a new so. way to seek out beer for people? I mean, like having a craft brewery in Disney is a solid idea. <laughs> right. No matter what. No, no matter, matter who what. owns it. Yeah. But I call, I call BS on this one. Corporate craft isn't fooling anyone. Right. Well, yeah, the thing is, okay, the people who care about craft beer, will, a large percentage will know they're corporate, and maybe some don't care, maybe some do. Mm-hmm. And then people who don't care about craft beer aren't going to be seeking those locations out. So you, you kind of got a Venn diagram there that kind of cuts out a segment that would you'd be marketing to, I guess. I, I think we're being pretty strict with our uh, definition of craft because, I mean... Goose Island is... Is Goose Island still technically a craft? Uh, depends whose definition you want to use. There, That's where we go. Now, if, if, you're, if you're going to the people that, you know, presumably listen to this, mm-hmm. they're going to know that, you know, Shock Top is not a craft beer. Mm-hmm. Which is my go-to because that stuff tastes like garbage. <laughs> um, but then you have that weird in-between point like Lagunitas. Mm-hmm. And uh, aforementioned Goose Island, Ballast Point. I believe all of those are owned by something big, right? That is correct. Okay. So I don't think it's going to turn into like uh, people going to New Belgium or making the, the trek to something or like to Dogfish Head mm-hmm. or to Stone or, you know, take your pick. But... I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I don't I don't think it'll become a destination, but I think the people that don't care about craft beer won't worry about it. And right. those that are interested in craft beer will only like it if the product is good. Okay. Again, that's a that's a pressing question, so it, you know, we'll we'll, and, we'll see the answer. <laughs> and not only that, but when they said phase 2, I was expecting them to bring in like the Guardians of the Galaxy or something. <laughs> I've been sitting on that for a while. Continue. <laughs> okay. Next one. Is the Hazy IPA here to stay? And actually, I kind of like this write-up because he gives a brief history of IPA. So I'll just read a couple, few sentences here. Three summers ago, I remember scanning the refrigerator shelves at Curtis Park Market and finding nearly every IPA contained some fruit. Two years before that, black IPAs were all the rage. In the black following IPA. year... It was Belgian IPAs. And then Session IPAs faded in as the fruit faded out. Fair. With the recent popularity of unfiltered so-called hazy IPAs, many have questions whether the style is staying power or if it is just another passing fad. And he says, I believe hazy IPAs will stick around, not just because they're delicious, but because the lower bitterness and softer mouthfeel 
make them more palatable to newer and lower volume drinkers. I think they just taste really good. Yeah. I, if it's more if, palatable? if it I don't know about that, but <laughs> like the the idea of it being a, a fate like with a black IPA or a fruit IPA or a session IPA, there are discernible qualities that make it they give it its, you know, adjective in front of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas hazy lets you know nothing about the taste or the the style or anything. It's just they don't centrifuge it or they don't filter it. Right. Oh yeah, and I think it just yeah, it refers to these new crop of low bitterness IPAs. I you know, I don't even think I've had an official hazy IPA. I need to just get that who made it recently. Was it New Belgium? Yes, the yeah. juice, the Juice Ranger. Or yeah, Juice Hazer. Yeah, I had one of those. I good. know that might not be the most prestigious of ones, but I just need to get on this train that I'm apparently missing because I can, generally do just worse. don't seek out IPAs. But I think they're quite. Um, what I want to say, uh, brown egg in the IPA family. <laughs> uh, Black sheep, but that implies like badness. That was a you into a black uh, beer of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the odd man out in the IPA family there as far go. as your typical IPA player. So I don't know. So I hope they're here to stay. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, and then it's fine. Like there's still good black IPAs out there. There's mm-hmm. still good Belgian IPAs. There's still really good session IPAs. I think it's just a matter of whether or not people are writing blathering think pieces about them <laughs> right yeah that's a good point too yeah, he does mention that all those styles are still in the ipa orchestra instruments in the ipa orchestra i like that that's that's good well the classic west coast style of ipa has remained strong throughout all these yeah it has ones, which is true yeah what's part four last question last pressing question could craft light become a thing? He notes that the best-selling beers in the country, because Budweiser officially fell to fourth place. Really? Yes, it's now Bud Light, Coors Light, and Miller Light. And he says this may be an untapped market for craft brewers, because obviously there's a demand for it out there. Uh, so he's saying a takeaway is that calorie-counting beer drinkers are largely on tap market for craft breweries. As craft beer is becoming part of everyday life, it makes sense to move towards more sessionable styles, which is why we are seeing a reemergence of craft pilsners, lagers, and low-alcohol pale ales, i.e. your like, session IPAs. What do we think about this, Michael? What do you think? This is my take. So maybe a few years ago, or even not that long ago, I would have said, nah. Why we why would we want a light beer in the craft market? But mm-hmm. as I said recently, like I'm coming around back coming back around or rediscovering pilsners and mm-hmm. like if you can make and for that matter session IPAs like mm-hmm. uh all day IPA, that's like behemoth in the craft brew world. Indeed it is. And it's a session IPA. So yeah. I think there is room for getting your craft in there meaning uniqueness flavor Mm -hmm. and still having the light in there i think if anybody can do it it's the crazy geniuses in all these breweries i.e laboratories across the nation to make something that is light but something that is quite awesome so i think they already have them i think that it's just not named proper in a way that would classify them as light because like Mm -hmm. we've said 
the word session is code for light. Yeah, that's true. I, I that. mean, it's if that's not the original reason behind it, but it's essentially a light beer when all is said and done. It's, you know, easy to drink. It's not it's less filling, no bitter beer face and all that nonsense mm-hmm. from Budweiser commercials in 1993. Keystone, wasn't it? I, I have no clue. Uh, okay. They're all researched the okay. beer face. Okay. I feel like it was Miller Lite, but I'm not sure. It was Keystone Lite. Uh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I stand corrected. Okay. Um, but, like, there are, by light beer, they mean one that's got a, I'm assuming, like, a moderate to low ABV. Yes. And is easy drinking, correct? I think that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. So... A Bud Light has, what, 4.8% ABV, something in that neighborhood? 4.2, maybe. You're, uh, you're clicking away. Uh, yep. Um, 4.3. 4.3. 99 okay. calories. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. That's Bud Select. Uh, okay. It, dang it, Michael. <laughs> well, my, my point is, like, mm-hmm. my future father-in-law drinks Michelob Ultra strictly because it's low-cal. Mm-hmm. He is, you know... Hardcore in the diet, and he loves his ultras. And so I was about to say I can't imagine anyone that would, you know, figure calories into their beer choice, but I'm about to be related to one. I I think that you'd be surprised on how many people make their beer selection based on calories. I probably would. People write in. Tell us if (laughs) I'm wrong. Okay, so Berliner Weiss. Those come in at like 3% alcohol. They're Those are pretty low, yeah. Full flavored. I don't know if they're easy drinking, so that would get rid of that part of the <laughs> of the. And low I mean, calorie so, is question mark. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. So I don't know. Hmm. I guess I would be excited if even a little craze of low calorie craft beer can they make something that is awesome that can also interest this demographic. Um, okay. Here, I don't want here, it to like. Yeah, you don't want it to take over. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't yeah. want. Yes, exactly. But it would be interesting if there's a niche there that craft beer could grab onto and carve out for themselves. Okay. Now, here here's the potential problem with this. Mhm. And I I too have talked myself into being, you know, not excited but curious about this idea. Yes, curious is good. Is it limited by the style? Like, are we going to have Guinness Light? Are we right. going to have Duval Light? Are we going to have Dark Lord Light? Maybe not that one. Right. But, but is it going to be limited to your lagers, your pilsners, your IPAs, your sours? I think that's up for grabs. That's that's what makes me most curious is yes. whether or not that can actually happen. Yes. A, a dark beer. Is that possible to have a good tasting light dark beer or a good tasting? Well, uh, I don't know. Insert style here. Um, I I don't want to give away what we're having today, Michael. Mm-hmm. But we might actually come across this today. Yeah, oh. not not explicitly, but implicitly. So uh huh. Put that in the back pocket. Uh-huh. And that's not a hint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a red herring. <laughs> um, <laughs> red herring. That character in Scooby-Doo Jr. or whatever it was. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Do you remember? With Scrappy-Doo? No, no, no. Uh, a pup named Scooby-Doo. Oh, Where they were yeah. all like little kids and the bad guy was named Red Herring. Oh, my. And they always thought it was him, but it never was. Like, even as a child, I knew that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that just came to me. <laughs> 
But thank you for the uh, the information, Michael. Those are some good questions. Yeah. But you have some questions. I have some questions of my own. So last week in a uh, a fit, a frenzy, one might say, I started ranting about heavy metal and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. That would that was completely unplanned, by the way. Um, I I had at least one person who shall go unnamed tell me that I totally had that planned. I assure you, I didn't. <laughs> it just sort of came out. But then I realized, you know, you know, I'm coming up to see you in a couple weeks, and also for about the, like fifty fifty, I'm also going up to see uh, the band's Sabaton and Creator, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. And in the interest of Showing the wide world of metal, goofy and not so goofy, I have a series of... uh, I have a quiz for you, Michael. Okay. Now, I don't expect you to get many of these right. All right. This is largely an excuse for me to tell you some fun stories. Well, (laughs) (laughs) fun, quote unquote. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. There we go. Um, And for the record, these are going to be PG, maybe PG-13. There's no cursing involved. There's no... I've kept these questions that you could theoretically, you could say them on primetime TV. Okay. Or there's one in particular that was kind of difficult to word properly, but yeah, you'll see. Okay. Okay. Go on. Okay. So question one, Randy Blythe, lead singer of influential new wave of American heavy metal band Lamb of God was arrested in the Czech Republic in 2012 for an incident two years prior at a concert in Prague. He was held in the brutal Pankrok prison for five weeks following his arrest. For what crime was he unjustly held? Is it A? Oh, good. Pos- multiple choice. Okay. Yeah, th- okay. These, are, these, yes. are all, these are all multiple choice. Oh, good. Okay. A, possession of oxycodone. B, manslaughter. C, desecrating the Czech Republic's flag. Or D, bringing an unlawful pot-bellied pig into the country. <laughs> So I was going to say possession, but that seems too obvious and somehow not quite metal. Um, manslaughter seems really brutal. I, I'm going to go, maybe it's, again, our little scrappy friend Red Herring, who I'm mm-hmm. looking at a picture of now, but I'm going to go with the, <laughs> pot belly, the pot belly pig. Uh, Michael was a Red Herring. Oh. And he did, in fact, get held for manslaughter. Oh, my God. In a 2010 during a concert in Prague, lax security allowed a number of stage divers on stage during Lamb of God's performance. This, and, and this is not, you know, a, a strange thing. But mm-hmm. during such event, Blythe shoved a 19-year-old Daniel Nozick, and he fell off the stage. He sustained head injuries and died as a result. Oh, no. The Czech court system found Blythe to be, quote, morally responsible, end quote, for the death, but not criminally liable leaving that to the promoters and security. Okay. So somebody did get... Someone did get held responsible for it, but thankfully it wasn't him. It sucks. That, like, I'm not a huge fan of Lamb of God. They're okay. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing them open for Slayer in May, but it, that really bothered me. Um, one, of the, one of the rules of heavy metal, the unwritten rules, if you're going to a show like this, you know these rules, is that you don't get yourself into something you can't get out of. And uh, jumping onto stage... Jumping onto stage... And attacking, uh, accosting is a better word. Yes. A singer is a really good way to get launched. So I'm not saying it hit as his fault. It was a crappy accident, but I would have been really sad had that guy been held in a Czech prison for the rest of his life. But next question. Okay. Blurism has been described as EDM for goths. It also means darkness in black speech from Lord of the Rings. 
This band is not the only one who is named after Lord of the Rings. Oh. Which of the following totally real bands, and I'm not being sarcastic there, is not named after Lord of the Rings? Not, okay. Is it A, and these are um, is these are in uh, alphabetical order. Okay. Is it Amon Amarth? Is it Blind Guardian? Is it Sirith Ungol? Or is it Gorgoroth? Um... How well do you know your Tolkien, Michael? Oh, God. Not very well. Um, but some of those did sound familiar. Mm-hmm. The first one I'm familiar with because of the, as mentioned on the show before, the podcast Nerd Poker. Oh, God, that's right. It was transposed. <laughs> A Martha Mon. <laughs> uh, these, are, these are all real bands. I want to make that 100% sure. I'll go with Amon and Marth because I, I don't know. I associate with something else, but it could stem from Lord of the Rings, of course. But so you're going with the Monomarth? Yes, that is, that stems from Lord of the Rings, Michael. It's another ah. name for Mount Doom. Kirith Ungol, I believe, is a mountain pass. Okay. Gorgoroth. It's an area, part, a region of Mordor. I'm not. That one sounded the most familiar. Blind Guardian is the band that is not named after them, but they are a ah. German power metal band that in 1998 on Virgin Records, released a concept album called Nightfall in Middle-Earth. So their name isn't Lord of the Rings, but they <laughs> yep. did release a concept album based on Oh, Lord of the oh Rings. boy. <laughs> they're, they're pretty dorky and they're pretty fun. So, you know, okay, we're going to get away from the, the black metal and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that with King Diamond. Michael, are you familiar with King Diamond? Just the name, not... Well, I might have heard some music in passing on the podcast Tell em Steve Dave when they play music at the that's end of the episode. Tr- that's true, you may have. Um, yes. he, he bridges the worlds of metal with a more melodic sound married to the theatrics of black metal. Okay. Which of the following is a signature of his live performances? Now, I made up none of these. Just for the record. One of them is his, that he does, the rest are other bands. Okay. Is it A, filling a goat's skull with pig blood and throwing that into the crowd? Is it okay. Is it B, riding a motorcycle onto stage to begin a show? C, performing with hog carcasses around the stage? Or is it D, performing with a mic stand made of two human leg bones affixed in an inverted cross? Hmm. I'm going to say it's the motorcycle. That's actually uh, Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Okay. Oh, who uh, pretty much invented the Leather Daddy look. And uh, a lot of those Judas Priest songs that people thought were about, you know, rocking hard were actually about being gay, which is cool because he's about as gay as they come. Uh, filling the goat's skull with pig blood and throwing it into the crowd happened at a Watain concert in uh, Brooklyn, I believe. And it uh, it kind of got the show shut down because the place was also a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Health club violation. Uh, Mayhem would perform with hog carcasses, but King Diamond is infamous for performing with a mic stand made of two human leg bones affixed in an inverted cross. Okay. A few more questions for you. Last week we spoke of the big four of thrash metal. In 1992, one of these four bands was featured in an episode of Married with Children. Loosely based on an actual MTV contest, this episode shows Bud and Kelly Bundy winning a dinner with this band and 50 of their closest friends. A snowstorm descends on the area, locking the band in the house, and hijinks ensue. Which of the big four was it? Once again, in alphabetical order. Anthrax, Megadeth, Metallica, or Slayer? So what of those 
guest starred on Married with Children. Yes. I'll, I'll give you a clue. Mm-hmm. The title of the episode is called My Dinner with Fill in the Blank. Okay. So, spin on My Dinner with Andre, I'm assuming, um, which I saw some clips from. Side note, and uh, it's boring, man. I was thinking about watching the movie, and I don't, Andre. I don't like him very yeah, much. Yeah. Um, I think he's uh, it's too much philosophy and not enough reality. Anyway, chowing down. Yeah, too much Andre, more dinner. <laughs> so I'm gonna say Andre A starts with an A. Anthrax starts with an A. My dinner with Anthrax. You would be correct, Michael. In this episode, they the ba- once they're locked in, the band goes digging through the the Bundy refrigerator only to find Peg's mystery package in the back of the fridge. Given that it's the only food, they eat that not knowing that Peg Bundy can't cook. They proceed to hallucinate, trash the house, and play the song In My World. It's a rather delightful episode. Did you watch that when it was on air? Uh, Parts of it. Okay. I didn't understand a lot of it. A lot it's not cool now. Okay. But fun side fact, uh, friend of the show, TK, does in fact have an Al Bundy football jersey signed by Ed O'Neill. Oh my god. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I never watched it. The only connection I have is that it's featured on one episode of The Simpsons. Uh, no peg. And then he flushes a toilet. That's pretty, that's pretty, that's fair. <laughs> it's fair. But the big four don't stop with Anthrax, Michael. In 1988, then-notorious alcoholic Dave Mustaine of Megadeth inspired a religious riot of sorts by mentioning the cause after several beers in this area's native tongue. The event inspired what can be argued to be their best song, Holy Wars, dot, 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 The Punishment Due, on 1990's Rust in Peace. What two warring sects were warring with one another during this riot? I should have written that better. Is it A, (laughs) Israel and Palestine? Is it B, India and Pakistan? Is it C, Ireland and Northern Ireland? Or is it D, North and South Korea? I said native tongue, right? He said it in Correct. native tongue. So I'm going with Ireland and Northern Ireland. Correct, sir. The Catholics and Protestants of Ireland and Northern Ireland. During a live performance of Anarchy in the UK at a 1988 show in Antrim, Northern Ireland, Mustaine drunkenly and confusedly dedicated the song to the cause of Giving Ireland back to the Irish. Oh, hoo, hoo. yeah. <laughs> Not the right side of the fence to say that. So before the final song, he said, this one's for the cause, and it elicited a riot in fighting between the Catholics and Protestants among the audience. The band oh, had no. to travel in a bulletproof bus for the remainder of the tour of Northern <laughs> Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Mustaine later claimed that he had been misled by T-shirt bootleggers about the meaning of the expression, the cause. Oh. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. It, that that one's a fun one. He uh he's kind of gone crazy since then. Yeah, so I hear. Yeah, he's just shy of Alex Jones, but uh, they still rock, and he keeps his mouth generally shut at live shows. Okay. Okay. Last question, and I you're gonna get this one, Michael. In 2002, Eli Roth released a horror movie that should have had a metal soundtrack. It features a nasty flesh-eating virus and Ryder Strong from TV's Boy Meets World. What is that movie? And RFDR's beer name. <laughs> no multiple choice necessary, right? Not unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Cabin Fever. Boom. Nailed it. Good work, nice. Michael. I brought it home. Awesome. Yes. I was, I was trying to kind of lead into it, but it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard to uh, bridge that gap, um, given the topics at hand. But here we are. Uh, what do you got for us on Cabin Fever, Michael? So this is a brew from New Glarus Brewing Company. 
Um, it's one of their winter seasonals, so I figured it would be apropos to have at this time. That's a good call. And I have some information on it, too. So, cool days draw us close to the warmth of home fires. This is the season to sip away the chill and embrace quiet evening with friends and family. You hold a Wisconsin-style honeybock, easygoing and more approachable than its traditional dark German cousin. Bach beers have existed in Wisconsin for over 150 years. This pale Bach is brewed with an exclusive blend of Wisconsin two-row barley that balances seamlessly with our special European hops. Naturally sweet clover honey is added in the kettle, accenting warm flavor notes on your tongue. Whether you reminisce the passing summer sun or thrill to squeaky steps through drifting snow, one thing is certain about winter in Wisconsin. This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. That's very folksy compared to your heavy metal <laughs> quiz. <laughs> nice juxtaposition there. So 2016 Brewers Association Craft Brewers list. They were number 16 on there. And we haven't got 2017 yet. But the thing about New Glarus is they only distribute in Wisconsin. Jerks. So it's quite amazing that they're that high on the list and they only distribute to a dinky little state. It's a good beer, though. They know what they're doing. Yeah, that uh, I think that speaks kind of volumes about how good their beer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that kind of makes sense in the context. We're talking about lighter beers. Yeah. Whether or not this fits the definition of a light beer is to be seen, but it is a lager. Mm -hmm. So um, it's probably going to be in that zone. I don't know if I have anything else to add. Maybe we should just open this up and uh, sounds good. Give it a pour. What kind of glass are you using? I'm using a, it's a new Glarus glass. It's like a footed Pilsner Pilsner? glass. Me too. I know exactly what one you're using. I (laughs) I was there when you got it. Uh, Possibly. Maybe. I don't know for sure. Well, the honey seems fitting. This kind of looks like a light beer. It has a little more depth of color, though. A little bit. More honey. More honey colored, yeah. Uh, it's very clear, though, in that light beer regard. Does New Glarus really have any uh, cloudy or unfiltered or fill in the blank? I think they do, but nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. They have like their thumbprint series, which tends to be... Delicious. More, yeah, delicious and more... Uh, beefy, exotic styles of beers. So that could be, but now that you say that, I can't think of one off the top of my head. So, But you know what, Michael? We're not talking about fruit beers. We're talking about honey box. How, mm-hmm. about, uh, how about you go in if you haven't done so already? Well, I'm going in for the smell. Mm-hmm. And it smells sweet. It smells like a lager, like a sweet lager. Yeah, crisp, sweet. Let's go in for that delicious taste. That's good. Yeah, it's... Um, ooh, Yeah. You know, we're kind of talking about that light beer, but this has a nice thickness to it for this style of beer. I think that's the honey. Yeah, and it um, has a uh, a real robust flavor, which I was not expecting. Uh. Uh-uh. That being said, I will uh, I will claim this is kind of uh, a bogus winter beer. It's not your typical winter warmer, is it? Hmm. Um, which is interesting. When well, when you see like a winter only beard, it's I guess it doesn't ever say that it's a winter warmer. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's you sip away the chill in front of a fire, and you know you curse various people. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, it, that's it's like it's crisp, good. effervescent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't call to mind like a 
you know, higher ABV beer that you sip. This one's mm-hmm. very, very easy to drink. I'm looking, their other seasonal is right now is a coffee stout. Ooh. Which might be more of the traditional side. So, but. Get me, get me some of that. <laughs> we can look for it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I really like, I think you put it best when you said how, we're talking about how crisp this one is. Mm-hmm. Because that's a really good way to put it. Because, I mean, mine is still fizzing like you just put a bath bomb in it. Yeah, it's going. It's going nuts. And I like that. It it works well. It, the, the effervescence kind of cuts through that sweetness that kind of hangs out at the front. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it what didn't have that, it could be a little too cloying. It would be cloying, but... yeah. It's it's interesting. I don't I can't think of the last time a beer's outside of a nitro. I can't think of the last time that a beer's carbonation level really had as much to do with how I perceive the beer. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I mean, it's always kind of there, but it's never yeah. like a massive factor, but here I think it really helps. It's it's, it's necessary. I would mm-hmm. dare say. I like the grainy aspect of this. Yeah, the more um, I drink it, the more that graininess is coming through. And the honey, I, f- I think, kind of cuts through the bitterness that would normally come with a beer like this. Mm-hmm. When it's it's very nicely balanced. Yeah. It is reminding me, uh, I think last week I beer-bragged about it, the Capital Supper Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's clearly more dense and more has more depth of flavor. I think that one more tries to align with the lighter beer side, whereas this, I think, is sticking to the more traditional Bach German. I'm a beer. Yes. It's And the lacing is beautiful, too. Yeah. They don't skimp on their ingredients in New Glarus. This, yeah. This, this might be the most balanced beer I've ever had on this show. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it is. All three aspects take a, well, I guess four. If you count the adjuncts, but yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of the yeast, there, I mean, there's no real yeast character to it, but there's not supposed to be, right? But the effervescence, the sweetness of the adjuncts, as well as the malt, and is the malt, and mm-hmm. the bitterness of those noble hops, all kind of it's it's kind of like Three Stooges syndrome, where they're all trying to <laughs> shove through the door at the same time, and it just it, except it works out perfectly, right? <laughs> Much like Mister Burns's health. Mm-hmm. On the Simpsons. Um, That's correct. Yeah. It's just easy to drink. I don't know, um, like, the fla- I don't like, maybe if it warms up, the flavor will change a little bit, but... Um, I suspect it would. The first drink is very similar to this middle-level drink I'm having. It's like a depth of flavor for this a lager like this, but as far as trying to pick out subtle notes of lemon zest and pink peppercorn and stuff like that there's yeah. not a depth of flavor in that direction i guess you could say so it's it's pretty down the middle as far as that goes there's not a ton of evolution in this mm-hmm. although it is getting a little bit sweeter as it warms up which is okay formulating a rating there's if we were to go into dislikes there's not mm. a lot to dislike but at the same time the likes i have about this beer while i obviously do like it i'm not waving a big flag saying like oh my god this is amazing you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah that balance is there but the with that there's no like hook to latch onto and say this is the best blank i've ever had or mm-hmm. i've never tasted blank like you know what i'm saying which is nice in a beer sometimes but at the same time it's hard to rant and rave about sure something that's so even keeled this is one that i would give to my father Yes. Oh, yeah. My father, who's not the world's biggest craft beer fan. 
He right. likes it, but he's not going to, like, run out and, like... He doesn't want that triple Brett. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's correct. Um, how about we dive into the rating, Michael? Okay. I guess I can go first. I'll give it a sip of judgment. Good work. Um, I'm kind of going between two ratings, so... I'm feeling this beer. It's very solid, and it'd be good to have at a gathering craft beer and non-beer drinkers would both like it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going nuts over it. So it's kind of that solid picture, solid plus. So I'm going to give it a 3.75. I'm going to give this beer a 4.0. So, you know, right about there with you. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I I really like the, the, the blend of everything. I think that works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And and for the reasons that I've already said, so deal with it. <laughs> I guess um, maybe part of my rating too is the is this a true winter beer? No, not not in the gimmick sense of a winter no. beer. Yeah, no. But the fact that it comes out in winter, yeah, it's a winter beer. I, I guess. probably wouldn't want to have this if it was super hot out, just because of the sweetness. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it actually, might be a good fall beer. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, crisp air quality matching the crisp mm-hmm. beer quality. But um, yeah. well, great. In any case, it's another one down the gully. Yeah. Yeah. Let me do a little social media Sounds dance good. for everyone. You can find us in a variety of places. You can find us on Twitter at APMPod, Facebook.com slash APMPod. And you can email us directly, apmpod at gmail.com. Get in touch. I think we asked some questions this episode. Yeah, we did. Maybe, Many of maybe them. Maybe about, like, uh, Dragon's Milk variants and... Brett um, beers. Brett beers. Yeah, hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, so get in touch. Um, you can also find us on Untapped, where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with that and drops all of our ratings. He just did that. Oh, good. For last week. So it's up to date. As of this recording. Yeah. Yes. All right. Subscribe to the show any way you can. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Uh, <laughs> are we on Spotify? I don't know. Are we? I <laughs> I think that's another way people get podcasts now. Oh, you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 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 subscribe, rate, and review. If you can do that on whatever you're using, it's much appreciated. We're sick. Cut us some slack. <laughs> yeah, all right. And now my vocal cords will shut down. And three, two, one. <laughs> and three, two. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And this has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>